everybody. We are back for another week of fun stuff on Megashane. I'm Victor. And I'm Nick. Oh, goodness. Nick, how are you doing this week? It's, you know, I've been all right today. Baby, the news. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much right now. Like, I knew shit was going to go down because I have been keeping up track with uh, the Rachel Maldow podcast, you know. Mm. And she was like, you know, keep track, keep track. And all of a sudden, you got people trying to do plea deals. You got people getting convicted or uh, of eight guilty people guilty counts you know and Manafort still has another trial to go to it's like he ain't done honey and and, um then you got Cohen he ain't really done he I was like lord this is too much but this is who they wanted this is who it is a lot right these people want it and now you know we ain't never seen this. Now think about it. We haven't seen this type of foolishness. Now Bush has some foolishness, but right. not at the level that we're seeing right now. These are people close. And you know, when you think about Bush, they were trying to hit, you know, a lot of people. And they got, you know, there were some hits. But this is just I don't think people understand like the implication that a foreign government influence our election. And they're already in the primaries. They already had issues in Florida and California. So they're already here. So it's just like, at what point do we say, okay, and cyber terrorism. Yeah. It, it it's interesting. It's so hard to combat. Yeah, it's just so. It's weird. just like if they if you close one hole, then they can just get into another. Yeah, it's. I don't know what we're gonna have to do, but this is just. This is a lot. I know it, it's it's really it's embarrassing. That it really like, is. It's almost like a bad eighties movie, you know, like Red Dawn. You know, you think about those type. <laughs> back in the day where it was like the Russians are coming, you know, like that. And you see what's happening and you see how Trump responds when it comes to like somewhat protecting Putin. And you see all this stuff that's happening and it's, it's just a matter of time. And you right. know, already said, yeah, the candidate, he didn't want to say the name, but we all know who it is. And I'm sitting here going, somebody's going to tell some secrets. And then you got Omarosa who's going to be on the news tonight with a video. As of right now. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's just, it is so much. It's almost like, it's like Dynasty. It's like, it's like almost like, you know, like a soap opera. It is. It's an 80s soap opera. It is. With, and some, with a little bit of the glamour of the clothes. Because Omarosa, I, you know, I used to root for her. I'm not going to lie. I used to root for her back when, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. But not anymore. But she has been, her game, her, her dress game has been on point, though. So when she's been appearing... She makes sure that lace front and everything is is set. So she's right. 
making sure she plays. You know, she is playing this villain role. That's what she's really, you think about it. That's I mean. <laughs> it's just like, I was never a f- fan of her per se, but I kind of wanted her to win for the sake of being a black woman because I know what black women deal with. Yeah. But the minute she ran her ass up uh, behind this fuck ass of a person called Donald Trump, I was like, okay, I washed my hands of thee. Yeah. And I don't want to see Nan, none of y'all niggas saying, oh, she's invited to the cookout. No, she can't come to the cookout. She can't come get a plate. She can't even do a drive-by. She can't do shit. We can give her a menu, and that's it. We can give her the deuce <laughs> and keep it moving. Yeah. Like, that's so what we can get, Miss Omarosa. Yeah. Oh, Lord, you know, who knows? And it's, it's, it's just Tuesday. It is just <laughs> Tuesday, and I'm already tired and weary. Me too. <sighs> Child. And but let's also give a quick shout out to Miss Aretha Franklin, cause yeah, that's a a legend is gone. It is. And I don't think Aretha at all. Yeah. I don't think people understand, and if they don't understand, they need to understand what she meant, what she had to offer, what she put out on the table, what people try to take from that table. But at the same time, just realizing that this was, this this is a uh, this is what a legend means, right? I mean, her, Patty, Dion, Gladys, they were Nancy Wilson. They were all coming up in a time where. As Patty uh, Patty LaHale said on "Got to Be Real," where Black Lives Mattered even less. Yeah, and for all of them to, you know, have all this commercial success, have all this Grammys, you know, mm-hmm. doctorates, and the talent and the the talent to back it up, you know, you don't see that anymore. Yeah, you don't. And we'll put Diana in there because Diana, you know, Diana Ross was in the midst of all yes. this. You know, you, you hear the stories. Exactly. You know, Patty cleared that up. But we talked about, you know, the stories about, you know, back when the Supremes and with Patty and the Bluebirds and, you know, Cindy Bird song, all that, all that legendary drama, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting, though. You know, maybe one day we'll talk about that legendary drama. But, um, you know, they, you know, we still have some of our greats and we need to, I think, as you said, we need to put them in bubble, wrap them in bubble tape or something, you know. Right. I mean, we got, who got Shaka, Patty, um, Stevie, mm-hmm. Nancy Wilson, um, Randy Crawford, mm-hmm. Melba Moore, Linda Crawford, well, Linda Clifford, um, Diana, oh, it's just Angela Wimbush. You know, we we still got, yeah, we got we got some of our grades. You know, I was just watching something with Angela Wimbush. She's still out here tearing it up, still got mm-hmm. the voice, everything. You know, I think she went through something. She had cancer at one point. I want to say, and she bounced back. So you know, it, 
we just have to really be, we need to be, we really need to appreciate the queens that we have, the real queens, not this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to even discuss Miss Minaj, but just, <laughs> just saying that we need to really, uh. we really need to like cherish our real queens and people who have always brought something to the table and flipped the script and changed the mm-hmm. game. Because, you know, we, who knows? You never know. You know, like this whole right. thing just was like, I was not even, because, you know, sometimes you'd be like, okay, we see it coming. But this was like, literally like, when, like over the weekend, it felt like. Right, because they said that she was getting better and she was at her house. Yeah. So we we're like, like, oh, well, uh, well, shit. What happened? I know. And then, you know, it, it broke my heart when I was watching Stevie. Did you see the interview with Stevie Wonder? Because I, I saw a little bit of it, yeah. When he started tearing up, I was like, nope, nope, I can't do it. Yeah, because she wanted, she wanted him to be there. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah, and I was tearing up because I was listening to I Knew You Was Waiting For Me, and then they're gone. They're both gone, but they sing it, to, they can sing it together. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like that if you look at it that way. yeah. And then I was listening to um, All the King's Horses. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that, oh, that song is so sad. Yeah. And it hurts like hell. Oh yeah. Whew. Did you see Whitney's live version of doing that? I did see that. I was like, I didn't even know that she did a version of that song. She did. I'm mad when she had that long note and then took a sip of tea. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like she was like, let me show y'all, like, I can do this. And hand me my tea. She can do this. And right. Maybe think of Mariah when Mariah was like, oh, I needed some tea. And I'm like, girl, okay. But you see somebody who was able to hold that note and then take a sip of tea as it was nothing and just kept going. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Our legends, our queens. Legends. And I think, I think the last person to be called a legend and that it would be Beyonce. She's yeah. she's solidifying herself as one. Yeah. And I don't know, like, after it's all said and done as far as her career, who else is going to take up that that mantle? You know, say what you will about her. Say what you will, your opinions of her, but facts are facts. Somebody said that she took her and Jay Z took a L because they uh, they only debuted at number two and they did sold out uh, concerts. I'm like, now hold on, define what a L is because a lot of you bitches can't even crack the uh, top five when you debut. A lot of you bitches can't even sell out a flat, let alone stadiums. And you mean to tell me? A, a tour that has approximately made at least $52 million as a L? Girl, you would never. Yeah. That's true. See, it's... <laughs> <laughs> These new girls, I'm like, come on now. Yeah, yeah. Don't do all that. That's true. But, you know, we were young once and we believed in people that... Like, I look back at my... The, the people I used to listen to when I was you know, around the, the Barb's age. And I was, and I look back, I'm like, okay, I was a while and out enough. <laughs> but now I'm just like, they'll grow out of it. That's my, mm-hmm. that's my belief. I hope so, because some of them, 
this barbs and this uh they are something else they're kind of a a mess kind of they are a mess they are a hot ass salty mess and she needs to i saw pictures of her from the vmas which we don't even really have to discuss because we are we have aged out of that uh, demographic um and her ass looked she needs to i hope she has the warranty for those parts yeah that's too that's that's not that's not that's not even attractive it really isn't that's like you over patting that's like you doing that's like doing drag it is i've seen asses i've seen couch cushions on drag queens that look better Lord have mercy. Well, today, everybody, we, we're, we're going to take this time to kind of discuss Pose. Because we feel like we, we never really, we've been talking about it off and on, but we wanted to take some time to really get into it. Because this show just came, it came out of nowhere. We had our doubts. Oh, did we? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you, know, you know, Ryan Murphy, and no shade to 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 miss ryan but you know we know that show he will do some shows and about the fifth episode things just start getting you know off the tracks and mm-hmm. so you know we we didn't know what to expect right but you know steven and the rest of the and, uh, i think i can't remember if it's miss J or and we then we had a uh, um Jen, Our lady J, lady J. um you know they got up there and gave us some scripts gave us some lines Gave us some characters we could believe in, and now we we fiending for more. Like we send up here, like, well, Sunday nights ain't the same. I mean, we got insecure back, but you know, Sunday nights it's just not the same. That is true. I know personally for me when, because we first reported on Megasheen about this show, mm-hmm. and we were like Ryan Murphy. I was like, hold on, that's American Horror Story and Ryan Murphy. I was like, what the fuck he's gonna do about? the 80s ballroom culture and then he they also said the some of the descriptions were um it's gonna marry uh wall street too and i was like oh boy so you mean to tell us some lily white boy is gonna go down at the balls and win all these ro- these trophies and awards and it's just gonna be like the and go to work tomorrow <laughs> right that and it's just gonna be like stonewall i'm like okay so i'm already annoyed mm-hmm. But when they, we were wrong. We were, wrong. We were very wrong. I, I'm glad that we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very surprised the amount of emotional toll that this took on my soul. Cause yeah. my God, I think I cried out. How many episodes was it? Eight. Yeah. I think I cried like seven of the eight episodes. Yeah. <laughs> It just took so much out of me. Yeah. And to see stories by us played with actors that look like us mm-hmm. about stories that came from actual black and brown queer people. Yeah. It just and basic and basic tales of family and basic tales of love and respect and you know self-preservation like it was all these things that we've always seen in television 
but mm-hmm. it was nice to see it from our perspective because we didn't always have a pretty bow. We always didn't have a, you know, a Mr. Drummond, a, a rich daddy, or, you know, we didn't have all yet. And to see like, this is what we have to do. This is how we survive. This is how we make it through. Mm-hmm. I think that was great because it sent that message to our youth today, to us, um, especially of us queers of color, that, you know, at the end of the day, family, your self-respect, your level of awareness is what you need to make it through. Right. Yeah, for others. So, yeah, we, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And Nick being as organized as usual, have us outline. We're going to really <laughs> offline a lot. <laughs> so we're going to kind of keep it cute. We don't want to keep y'all. We know y'all want to be out in the street and watch more. Don't be out in the streets. You, <laughs> you need to be at home. Shoot, yeah. with them legs crossed. <laughs> so let's go, let's talk about the characters yeah. since we are already going off topic. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of your favorite characters? Um, pretty much everybody in a lot of ways. Uh, mostly uh, Blanca and, mostly Blanca and um, Electra because they were, I, I, they were kind of, you can say sometimes the both sides of yourself. Um, they were people who were, they, you know, if they was trying to get somewhere, it was ways they went about it that sometimes made you go like, that's, that's been me, that's, that could be me, that's what have you. But those particular two characters, like um, Blanca being a person who's caring about others and really putting herself out there, um, that was an amazing character to see. Because sometimes you, you think about us as queer people of color, and you know, so many of us, I'm just gonna be just ugly about it. You know, so many of us are out here trying to make sure we become the shade queens of of now and forever. And we built, and a lot of, sadly, a lot of us have built, you know, your, our ways, our, our, our brand on being shady. But to see somebody, it's like, you know what? I, can, I could do that, but I am gonna to try to have a family. I'm gonna to try to make sure everybody's together. I'm gonna to to make sure everybody is, uh, you know, happy and, and doing what they can. And, and to have a character like that was really good. Um, but also when you have Electra, Electra is that part of a lot of us who is like, you know, if we had the, the gall to do the things that we want to do, um, we would do it. And Electra was that person. I really enjoy um, her chutzpah and her fashion and how she would go about, at the end of the day, she cared. Um, but you didn't always see that, but you can tell that she cared. And I really love that about her and um, and just seeing how her and Blanca play from each other. Mm-hmm. I think for me, pretty much, I liked all of the characters for different reasons. Um, aside from Evan Peters' character, I thought he was, he annoyed the shit out of me but he was there to prove a point and to move a storyline that is oftentimes not told, mm-hmm. you know, that we always see these, uh, these white men as the quote unquote savior of these poor Brown, unfortunate souls. Mm-hmm. And I like the ending as far as, Stands and Candy, uh, not Candy, but uh, oh my God, An- Angels, mm-hmm. 
um, storyline. Mm-hmm. I like how that wrapped up instead of going the stereotypical way. Yeah. Uh, as far as Electra, I always Dominique Jackson played the hell out of Electra. Mm-hmm. Like it was to the effect where I was waiting for Electra to come on screen when she left. Yeah. And every time she would walk, even if it was just in a hotel room, you know, she had a poise and a level of, I don't think it was cockiness, but she knew who she was as a woman, yeah. whether it was pre or post-op. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that was to see a, a trans woman so sure of herself gave, I hope, other trans men and women, especially, you know, confidence in themselves. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, An- uh, not Angel, but uh, Blanca, she was such a sweetheart. And you know that her intentions were always good. There were, there were never any malicious maliciousness towards anybody. And I feel like that role was written especially just for MJ Rodriguez. And I don't think anybody else could play it as good as she did. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I even like, you know, I like, you know, Candy and all the rest of it because it was giving us, you know, I, again, it, you can see different sides of your personality in these other characters like Angel and Candy and, you know, what's going on, even with the, with the guys, like Lil Poppy, like you can see all, uh, you can see some of your personality in them, but you can see why they were very important to the story. Uh-huh. Um, um, to the point where you understand, like, this is why they are who they are. And I love the fact that in the show, um, we can get a little bit into this later, but I also like that there was always a connection with everybody. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I don't think there was any real villains per se. They were just written in a way that both characters had. They were just written so well-rounded that you could understand how they, in a, if they acted a certain way that was not good, that there was a reason why they did that. You know, especially with uh, Candy and Lulu, like they acted a certain way because they had reason to, you know, especially because Electra in the beginning was such a bitch to to everybody. So, you know. Yeah, but, you know, they were still fun, though. And as I've always said to me, this was like live action Gemini and holograms because I always thought of Electra, Lulu, and Candy as the misfits. And they kind of had that flair of the misfits. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't out here uh, doing any pre uh, meditated murder or, <laughs> you know, class A felonies. Yeah. But they were giving, they were giving you fashion like the misfits would give you fashion. So I was like, Very oh. much so. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I, I, oh, man, now I'm, I'm really missing it now. But, yeah. so let's uh get into a lot of the emotional points of pose because they tug at our heart 
string so many times. Yeah. I think, gosh, one of the biggest ones for me was when everybody got tested. Yeah. And Pray Tell tested positive. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I can't break down for these kids, you know. There's so many times in queer men's lives that our fathers were absent. And so he had to be a father figure for them. Yeah. And it just, it just, oh, it broke me. It broke me so hard. Now, what about you? No, speaking on that, because you think about how many times our, you know, our parents or family members are like, they don't tell us the things, you know, they don't tell us these hard things because there's like, no, I, I got to make sure that they, you know, they keep going on. So I don't want, you know, even, you know, Blanca said that I can't, they don't need to know because what they need is somebody to make sure they're all right. And I like that when you saw that, you saw the strength in both of those characters that they're doing is for someone else. It's not even about them per se. It's about making sure that people stay together and stay strong. Mm -hmm. I also, I I think what got me was when we learned about why that cookbook was important to Blanca. And um, the, the last scene when Blanca was with her mother and why it was so important i was like oh my goodness like you know just the things that we take for granted when we're with our our mothers like you know helping them out in the kitchen how some of us were very excited especially as a queer kid it's exciting mm-hmm. like cooking you know you know some of us only <laughs> sandwiches like we're doing something and you know <laughs> just seeing that was like really nice um and it really really showed me you know just you know where this 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 show was going, and also when um, Electra was being honest with Candy um, and talking about you know like how you know Electra wanted to be a pure like a, a, a pure woman and talking about that experience and, and you know letting someone in because you know we are very a lot of us are very high guarded people and to let someone in sometimes it's very tough and you saw that in her performance. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought that was very important to see um, and to really kind of, you know, be supportive of of this show, but also the characters and what they're going through. Right. And to, to add on that point, as far as a lot of queer people are guarded, you know, some of us have been rejected by our parents and you know they're supposed to give us unconditional love no matter what so once that happens our guards are already up so especially because i can speak especially from this uh viewpoint if the person who is supposed to love me no matter what lets me down what's to say that somebody else that i don't even know somebody that's not even blood supposed to do you know so Electra finally letting them walls down and being honest with not just Candy but to um, Blanca and saying how Blanca you've always been my heart you know oh it's just like 
we understand and we get it. True. Because I think a lot of us have friends <sighs> to us. Like I think of, I have a friend who is my heart, is my, is my conscience. Because I have a friend who's always been just good, you know? And I'm like, I'm not always good. I, you know, in college, I'm slashing people's tires. I'm causing all types of drama, messing around with other people's men. <laughs> you know, just doing, cheating on my girlfriend with my roommate, just doing the worst. I'm just telling my business. But he was always Derek. Derek was always that person who had a good moral core um, that I always was, was happy to be around. And my friend Tavares was the same way. You know, they had that good core that I, you know, I always didn't because I, I, I had a little bit of Alexis and Dominique and me to where I'm like, well, I'm going to flip it all over, you know? And they were like, well, you need to really think about what you're really doing. And, and I like that I've had that, those people in my life. And to, you know, when she said that, that you're always my heart, that was a very good part too. Cause it made me think about like, wow, who's, who, who is my heart in my friends group or family group? And it made me think about my friends and the ones that when, you know, I'm just out here back then, I, I'm not out here like I used to be, but when I was out, you know, out there doing the things I was doing, trying to be cute and nasty, um, they were always like, you need to sit your ass down <laughs> like, and quit. <laughs> trying to do all this stuff because who what, what are you really doing you know so that was like to see that and to hear that was like yeah that's really neat to have somebody who's really your heart right it, very, it is and like the last episode when we got to see this whole different side of Electra, like when she was getting um so excited about i'll be sure like that was just so hilarious yes. you're like oh i'll be sure to do this and that i'm like girl all them, all them eyebrows. Okay, you know everybody has a has one or two or you know ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another another scene that got me, but I don't think it was intentionally meant to get me. Was I think it was at the episode three or four once um, Damon got to dance in the, I guess the, it was a singer class and they were dancing to Breakout. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know why I'm crying to this, but I, my boyfriend had to come hold me because I was sobbing so so bad. Yeah. It was just like, and I, I think we've talked about this on the show uh, a few weeks ago, how the lyrics match the whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. we did we did because the because the song itself is really about you understanding who you are and being free to do what you are meant to do mm-hmm. to see him and you know and his name is slipping my name but you sleep on my mind right now but i think of the joy in his face when he's dancing was really you know conveying everything that was happening in that scene mm-hmm. and, and how many of us get to experience like authentic jewel boy yeah you know it's sometimes we're put into the especially you know guys like us we're often given you know artificial joy Mm -hmm. and this sometimes is gonna it's the only thing that we have to hold on to and it's 
it's refreshing when we get that authentic joy in our lives. You know, then we can finally, pun intended, break out. Yeah, because think about like a lot of us queer boys and queer women too, but think about when we, like when you heard, I would say when I heard, I'm every woman, and you're young, you don't even understand what it is. It's just everything sounds right to you. And you're jumping around. I remember when I was, when I first saw The Wiz as a kid and when they was at the Emerald City and that whole, that whole scene of them spinning and jumping and dancing and stuff. And I'm up here just doing all that and I'm grabbing sheets and towels and spinning around. And I remember my, my, one, of my cousin, one of my cousins was like, you look like a girl. And I think of the, the, but the joy I had just spinning around, or when I used to watch Wonder Woman as a kid. So I think at that point, we were getting reruns and um, just seeing her spin, and I'm spinning, you know, and not really thinking what that means. But then you have like, you know, a cousin or a brother, somebody saying, like, that's sissy and all that stuff. I remember feeling how that joy was like taken away because I wasn't able to really enjoy, you know, spinning around, dancing around, right. you know, singing Diana Ross when I saw the variety show she had back in the day. And, you know, when you do have that opportunity to have that joy, yeah, you're supposed to revel in it. I mean, I think about when I first went to a gay bar and how free you felt when you was hearing these songs and everybody was you know, connected because you're dancing and all that stuff. Um, I'll tell the story one day, but I remember the first time I went to a school dance and how I did not understand. <laughs> I didn't realize that like people don't kick like high kick. <laughs> dance, but me, I did because I was copying what I saw from the videos and everything. And, you know, I remember a different world. Whitley was dancing and she did a kick and, I did that at a dance and people talked about that. It was like, he did a kick. And I was like, okay, but I was just really feeling the song. I don't know, I don't know what song it was, but it was just, oh, it was just got paid. Uh. <laughs> and if you ever watched the video, watch the extended video, they're doing all these dances and kicking and stuff. And I'm doing it, or that real um thing where you like you pumping your chest really fast. Uh-huh. Um, I was I always used to do all that stuff and I didn't know any better because you know I'm looking at all the dance stuff and that's what they do in videos and I'm doing it and spinning around. And uh so yeah, you know, it's funny when you really feel that free, you really have that joy, what what you're what you're what you feel and what you do. So every time I think of that scene, I think of like when I was like just feeling free enough to kick or to spin and not really think about what people think. So Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Just think about all that stuff. But yeah, that scene did take me to all those places where I felt free um, just to do all that stuff. Or when you really want to queen out, you know what I mean? Like you really want to just, you know, overreact to song or whatever when you're dancing. It, those are great moments to have. And yeah, when I saw that scene, it made me think about all that. <laughs> yeah. Some of, I guess, the more lighthearted uh, scenes was when they did that uh, that mop of uh, I guess it was the Salvation Army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when Electra was wearing all her uh, finest of red furs. Yeah. I'm like, girl. And if you think about I it, that, like that. 
Yeah, you think about it, Salvation Army has always been somewhat against us as, as queer people. Mm-hmm. And so I just looked at yeah. it like, oh, look at that. That's, that's interesting, the Salvation Army. So, you know, it's like, yep, you act like that. We're going to take from you. <laughs> so, right. So yeah. yeah, that was interesting. Another, it was, it very much was. Another point I would like to bring up is the, the storyline where Blanca is trying to get a drink at this white gay bar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I watched this twice. I watched this one with my boyfriend and then one with my mom. Mm-hmm. And it was just because she didn't understand why, what was going on. Yeah. And I had to explain to her, you know, uh, like it's just a lot of the times some gay, gay white guys are just like that. They're just so fucking nasty and still so deep in their privilege that they wouldn't want to give up or what seems like they're giving up anything of their nature. Yeah. And like, I knew it was about to be some bullshit when her and Lulu walked in and that one white motherfucker said, oh, uh, uh, oh, happy Halloween. And when Kent Lou was like, you know what, I'm out. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> yeah. That bullshit that folks have to go through just to get some kind of damn vindication as a person. Yeah. It's just, oh, <sighs> oh it just ran all over me and I was ready to fight. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> just... Yeah, that was a hard scene, but I, I feel like they're going to revisit that. Okay, it was, I, feel, I feel like that was the setup for season two in some form or fashion. We're going to revisit that. Um, because, yeah, you think about, you also think about the experiences going into bars that are predominantly white anyway, and then how we are treated, um, whether you're trans or just a regular queer person of color, is how you're treated by uh-huh. the white queer community. Um, and so that was very telling about that community because yeah there's times you go in and they look at you like are you going to steal something like i remember i went into a bar in um in new york and the guy said i needed to buy something i was like well this guy came in here he's been sitting here he bought a thing and that guy said that too i I was like pointing it out i was like well he hasn't bought anything and he hasn't bought anything so why do i need to buy something he just walked off and I was like, okay, that's very interesting. And then I walked over uh-huh. to the manager and I said, you know, he said I had to buy something. And he was like, oh, you, you don't have to. I'm, and he just, he can tell what, where I was going with it. Uh-huh. And, and I was like, and that was in uh-huh. 2012. So <laughs> it's, is it? you were in New York, you know? Yeah, I'm in the city. I was in, I was in Christopher. Oh, this, I know hell down here. One of the bars that I frequent, they know me there. You know, I was waiting for a drink. I was waiting for some time for a drink. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these white twinks, it seems like they always get privileged. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, what, my money is just as good as theirs? What is it? Then if that's not the case, if my money is as good as theirs, then why am I being weighted? why am I having to wait longer to get a drink than them? Sure. And it was just, I I see it all the 
Um, and uh, another thing, when the uh, when Blanco was talking to the other, the white, the black guy that was in there, he almost felt it was like he didn't know that he was black. He reminded me of Paris Denard, you know, that CNN uh, political commentator. Yeah. It's like, nigga, you know you black. You just haven't got that nigga wake up call. True. And they feel a lot of these, a lot of some black gay guys think that their proximate, their vicinity to white privilege gives them some kind of pass on their blackness. Yeah. Very true. And also, I feel not to go into deeper discussion of this, but do you, is it, because I feel like in Kentucky, since the population of black gay men is lower than white gay men, there's this, I don't know, this need to outdo the other black guy to get noticed by white gay men? Do you feel that, like, I don't know, it's almost as if a lot of gay black men feel like they're in competition with other gay black men? I, yeah, I think that's not only there, but in, in so many things. You know, you look at social media, and again, we won't really get all into it, but even some of our faves, you can say, uh, <laughs> are, are bathed in whiteness, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they wouldn't even, tw- I don't even think they even realize it. Cause you know, the, the white gaze is a powerful situation where you don't sometimes realize where you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we see it a lot. You can look at people's Instagrams. You can look at so many things and be like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's the same with a lot of people because I think, you know, you, you look at it from a Twitter standpoint, if, you know, if you're in, you know, you can do a lot of things, say a lot of things, and things come your way. But if you're kind of not, um, then, you know, things are different. And so I see, we see it often. We see, like, if somebody tweets something, who responds to it? If you see somebody else tweets to it, how other people respond to it. So I think that that's something that we are seeing all over, and it's still, it's very prevalent. It's been that way for many years. I think, you know, one day we're on the show, we will really, really get into it and have some other people join us in that conversation about what is, what, 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 what is all of this? Um, and even kind of look very hard at it because it's it's something that i think we've all been through but i think mm-hmm. you have to recognize like whoa i am really you know right it's a deep, it's a deep deep uh, yeah it's so deep that i don't think we have time to go through all of it mm-hmm. and dissect it all yeah so we'll we'll keep it moving as far as getting back on track with pose yeah. <laughs> So I think um, let's talk about how all these reads, because I, let, let's just say Electra by far read everybody mm-hmm. to filth house down. Yes. Especially that last read of Candy and, and Lulu. Yeah. And I loved it because it was kind of like, big, big, big. you know, 
They were. They were getting way too big for their britches. And when I, I knew that what she, what Electra was saying was hurting because you could see it written all over their face. Yeah. Because that little, that stuff. And how many times have we heard that voice? Yeah. In our heads saying that we're not good enough. Yeah. At time to say that I'm, I'm that voice that says you're not good enough. Woof. Yeah. I mean, she was spitting truth right there. It was. And also, I think Blanca gave, Blanca Reeves wasn't, they were subtle, um, especially when she talked to Electra at the hospital. Um, and mm-hmm. some of the things she was saying to her, especially about the flowers, that was kind of the cute thing. She's like, I can tell nobody had been here because the, these flowers are still, something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that's, and that's kind of a sting too. Like, yeah, here you are. And there's no one here but me. You know, it was just that reminder of at the end of the day, it's me. Right. And, um, some of the lines that were said, even Daddy Rich, that's what I call him when he said, we told Electra that when have you ever done something for yourself? Or something like that. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh. And I was like, you just, <laughs> you're going to give me some dick and then going to talk to me like this. <laughs> right. How you going to knock my back out and then read me at the same time? I like, and people do that. But yeah, <laughs> I was like, Lord. I was like, okay, that would have hurt. That would have made me just feel just like a $2 hoe. Well, at least she was getting something out of it. She was. She was. Um, oh, and I want to jump back at the scene. I think the scene when Electra tried to go back and that doorman. Yes. That was like, that was a lot because it was like that doorman was just waiting for the moment to do that. Uh-huh. And that freaked me. That kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was like, wow. So you just, <laughs> there is something with you that should not be trusted. Like, that was almost like killer-like. It was, it was very, I'm only here to tolerate you. You know, if it was, if you saw me out in the street, I would probably end up killing you. Yeah. It was that kind of craziness. Yeah. But yeah, I knew he was gonna ha- get another another person up there. It was just a matter of time because to him, they were only this fixation. They weren't to him. They were just a sexual yeah, conquest. Yeah, they were a fish. And he did turn around. Daddy Rich turned around and got the the lightest skin. I was like. I caught that. I caught that. And I was like, no, you didn't. So you wanted to make sure that not only Blanc, not Blanc, uh, you want the Electra Solace, but you want her to see that, oh, I got a light skin, fair hair, you know, pretty hair, soft haired woman. Mm-hmm. To you. I, and I was like, no, you, I would have been like, I would have marched right up there. So, <laughs> but I guess I wouldn't be able to get up there that Right. Still, I just, I was sitting there like, oh, he no daddy rich didn't so i but i don't think this is the end of daddy rich though um i don't think so i don't think so 
Now let's talk about, uh, I guess we have to, between the relationship between Angel and Stan. Because, like I said, I didn't think this was, me personally, I didn't think it was necessary, but to tell that narrative of queer culture, it was necessary. Yeah. You know, you always have, whether it's when we're talking about trans, trans men and women with uh, uh, cis straight uh, men and women, or if we're talking about queer black men with queer white men, you know, there's always this, this over this underlying tone that oh they are forbidden but in a way that i want i want to taste the forbidden fruit yeah but also it's you know thing i think blanca said was a blanca that said that you know not every white man can save you or something like that right yeah and that was always that's something that i think we've all has crossed our minds where we've always looked at the white knight of being this white person who who will save us. And I think a lot of queer people of color have dealt with the fact that, you know, there's this white man who's going to save me. Um, Some of them are living by that now. Like I see it in West Hollywood. I see it all the time where it's these older rich white men with these young Latino, young black men. And we saw that, you know, that horrifying story of that older white man who was like, like, he's like a donor to a lot of politicians, like to Hillary and everybody. And how that black Mm -hmm. man died, you know, messing around with him like that. And so, it, you know, I think because a lot of us have always kind of had those those views and visions of what white men were and what they could be, I think that was a nice line to hear um, that, you know, every white man isn't going to be out here to save you. And to see that, you know, what's his name? Was Stan was trying, that's what he was literally doing. It was like, let me get you an apartment. Let me do all this. Let me keep you caged up. Mm-hmm. And almost similar to like, you know, jumping on scandal really quick. How like how the president, how uh, Fitz did that to uh, um, old girl. Like, yeah, Olivia. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So you have to think about stuff like that. And it was interesting to see that played out um, between them because it that was Stan was like, I want to protect you. I want to do all this. And he was so much trying to hold on to control. It was about control mm-hmm. um, that he lost it all. You know what I mean? And so that's what was very interesting. Um, but I feel like there's more about that character that I, I'm actually interested to know more about him to some degree. But at the same time, I realized that he was trying to do so much and not realizing that he is not the man he thinks he is. And I think his wife kind of said that to him. Um, but, and also Angel reminded him that oh, yeah. I don't really need you. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I don't need you. And I'm glad that they wrapped up the storyline that way instead of, you know, him coming to her rescue and them being whisked away and living happily yeah. ever after. And I'm, I'm glad that they went the other route to yeah. show it like, no, he can't have it all. Yeah. You can't win that way. Right. Not that way. Yeah. 
what else? What other plot points should we hit on? Um, well, I don't know. Let's kind of kind of wrap up overall what our feeling is that this show given us, but also what we are hoping to see in the future. Okay. Um I felt like this get this show gave a voice to a group of people we had rumblings of it like we had Noah's Ark mm-hmm. we had uh, we have what was it uh, House My House or yeah. is it House or just My House My House um, we have okay we have um, you know these small rumblings of queer black and brown representation but pose hit at a a core post hit at a time where we needed to see raw emotions we needed to see you know the real shit that went down in the 80s in the ballroom culture and i'm so glad that this we were lit we're living in an age now people you can't fall back on it oh I just have to get a a cis person to play a trans role. You know, that's that yeah. kind of reasoning can't happen anymore. Not with a show like Pose. Yeah. Not where there's so many trans actors out there that are doing the part and have the talent. You can't you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um I, I hope we I think the, the next season is supposed to to be a couple of years after so the first season was in 88 so 90 90 or 91 something like that so i'm i'm guessing it would be the um the decline of the ballroom and something like that but i'm just i don't know what to expect and that's why i'm excited about it yeah how about you i am Hmm. I am very happy that we got this show because it was time to see us in the limelight and in so many different ways and to see our stories told because we always see gay queer stories told historically and whatever else. We never had our version and so this was really great. Um, I also feel like we had heartfelt characters that played against things that we just haven't really seen before, you know, play against stereotypes. If they had the stereotypes, they twisted it around um, and gave us a show that we can believe in and support. I mean, no shade to many of you who have created the web series and all that stuff, but it just did not come together because I was trying to do so much of these Red Shoe Diary versions of Black gay life and, you know, not all our lives are mixed in with with dick and ass every time and you know it's sometimes it's trying to pay rent trying to get ourselves together trying to save ourselves as joan said you know and girlfriends uh-huh. and it was time we had these stories because again i think we always fell so short when it comes to good tell it was good storyteller and this 
gave this to us. And you mentioned Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark was scratching the surface, but I feel like this pose, you can say, and some people have said it, you know, Noah's Ark. I don't know if you want to say Noah's Ark uh, walks so we can run, or however the statement <laughs> runs so we can walk. But I feel like it did give an idea of what, what could be. And now we have poles that could really take us to the next level. And, you know, not to forget Moonlight that really kind of gave, you know, a bigger uh, view of things. Um, but I think Pose has a lot to offer us. And I'm really looking forward to what the future will bring with this show. Um, I do feel like if it goes into the decline of the ballroom scene, it's like, what what is life after the ball? Or what is life, you know, when it's like you have to, you know, make things matter? What is family? You know, as we continue mm -hmm. to grow and when they have new family members, will new things change, you know, will new relationships spawn. So, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just overly excited because I, I, I'm, I'm ready for the fact that we finally have a show of color um, that is worthy. And as I said before, I said this at Comic-Con, Pose is the best queer show we've ever had. It's the best queer show we've ever had. Yeah. And I, I feel like one last thing about the overall show, like it, it reinforced that queer black voices, stories, they matter. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the, the, the essence of the ballroom was that mm -hmm. for that point of time, no matter what the outside world t told you, that in that point of time that you mattered. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm glad that you know a, our younger generation can see that that they matter too. Yeah. That's true. Whew. John, I'm getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> we gave a lot, you know, to, to think about and talk about. Um, oh Lord, Child, let me go. I would say, let me go get some alcohol, but ain't none in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so, as, as like always, you all, you can follow us on Twitter. The podcast is at Megashine Pod. I'm at Porter Pizzazz. Victor is at Wonderman5. You can follow the podcast also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Check out our website at megashinepod.com. There will be some new stuff added in September. I'm working on some good stuff. Um, what else is there before we get up out of here? Um, no, we're good. Um, we do have some upcoming things. We have some guests coming up soon and um yeah it's gonna be pretty good um and then sadly i'll be out in the streets so i'll be traveling a lot so i'll be back um all over the place i'll be in atlanta very soon she's I'll... a working girl <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i will be around very soon i'll be in atlanta i'll be in nashville i'll be in miami um, oh bitch okay <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna be <laughs> And then I'll be back in New Orleans and all that stuff soon. But, you know, I'll still be, we'll still be able to give a show regardless of where I am. What, as we have before when I've traveled. Like, yeah, we've been, yeah, it's been a while. It's been like the third time, you know, almost yeah. three years that I've, I've been traveling and this stuff. So, um, we'll know. We'll see. I know I have to go to Miami soon. So, 
Yeah. Ooh, I almost, I almost got in <laughs> trouble by in Miami. We won't talk about that. We will not talk about that. But yeah, we will not. <laughs> All right, y'all. Until next time. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs>